0: Welcome to The Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. I'm Matt. I'm Kevin. We have Kevin with us this week. Good to be back, definitely. Awesome. This is episode number 17 for May the 15th, 2017, and uh, you are listening to The Film Coterie. Gentlemen, what's going on, Adam? What's our news and notes? I'm going to take a second look around and realize that we're not in our normal spot. We are not in our normal spot.
1: We're in my spot. (laughs) <laughs> yes, Kevin has kindly
2: invited us to the Buxton Inn for this very the special historic
0: episode. Buxton Inn, yeah. and we are so pumped. We've had a great night, and uh, we've got a great podcast for you. Uh, you know, it's going to be really good. We we have a um, Clay McLeod Chapman has called in to the show, and he's going to do a story for us and, and a of scary, pumpkin pie fame. Yes, of the pumpkin pie show. So he's going to call in a little bit later, and. Uh, Uh, Knock our socks off with a good scary story. And, uh, man, we we even watched a scary movie tonight, didn't we, Adam? And Roger stayed in the building the whole time. He did not flee in terror into the night. I'm so proud of myself, right? Although I do
3: wish we could put a heart rate monitor on him. (laughs) That would be so great.
0: (laughs) So great. Oh, goodness. Anyway, so kind of a different episode here this this week adam is there anything going on we need to chat about or anything new newsworthy noteworthy um we're going to skip the news this time because we have some
2: different segments we're doing this isn't a traditional episode so uh we're going to go over some of the haunted history of the buxton inn and then we have our phone call with clay mcleod chapman and then we'll be reviewing ty west's the innkeepers
0: awesome well you're listening to the film coterie hang in there we'll be right back after the break with a review of the historical Buxton Inn. and we're back and uh we're excited to be here at the historical buxton and we're excited to have kevin brierly my partner on the film coterie classics edition we've done one and we're getting ready to do another one and uh he is a lover of all things old and so he works in a very old hotel in here and, yeah absolutely so kevin tell us a little bit about the buxton and uh uh, you know, give us a little bit of the background so our listeners can begin to kind of get a feel for what's going on here.
2: Well, let's set the mood. Where are yep. we sitting right now? We're in a wine cellar.
1: Yeah, we're sitting in um, a wine cellar. Uh, this actually was used um, as uh, Underground Railroad um, back in the 1860s. Um, there's two entrances, both of them, uh, once the doors are shut, uh, that you cannot actually see the entrances to the place. It was also used as a speakeasy as well um and now it is our wine cellar and very the atmosphere here is, is pretty nice for this uh for this podcast yeah no thing.
0: it's great man yeah. this is nice we're down here and uh, this whole inn there has to be 50 doors in this place oh, i mean yeah, we, yeah. we have been upstairs downstairs <laughs> it's easy to get lost there's even a, there's even a trap door that looks like the paneling and it literally is a secret door to go yeah, to, to, to another room to get in here yeah and there's two different downstairs Oh, it's awesome. So, so Kevin, give us a little bit of the background about the Buxton Inn and, and, and you know, where it is, where it's located. You know, give you can give them a little plug as well, too, if you want. But just tell us a little bit about the history
1: of the inn. Well, definitely, definitely. Um, the uh, inn was established in 1812. Um, it's the uh, oldest um, continually operating inn in Ohio. Um, it is haunted. It's haunted by three different ghosts. Uh, The one ghost um, is a ghost of that child that had died down in um, what's called the tavern um, back in the 1800s. He came in on stagecoach and um, apparently passed away of some illness. Uh, And so he still haunts the place down there. Uh, The two main ghosts um, are Major Buxton, uh, which the place is named after. And he haunts room number seven. And then we also have Bonnie Bunnell, the lady in blue, and her cat. And they haunt room number nine. And I've been seen throughout the whole entire uh, inn Okay, so
0: seven and nine. Well, Mark, those off the list of rooms I will never go in. Yeah, you'll never
1: stay in those rooms. (laughs) Yeah, we've already tried to, you know, pay him 50 bucks to stay there all night long, and he won't do it.
2: Nope. Now, do you warn the guests that are going into those rooms?
1: If we like them. (laughs) 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 Okay. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, of course. A uh, lot of them want to take those, ro- you know, stay in those rooms. We have a lot of people call and they want to, um, you know, room number nine. And if we're like, oh, well, it's it's booked right now, but we have other rooms. No, well, can you call me back when room number nine's available, please? <laughs> so oh, that's yeah. the most popular room, number nine. Uh, number seven is the second most popular, but for some reason, since Bonnie has been seen more than Major Buxton, um, that's the room that uh, most people want to stay in and um, you know and so basically uh, we are uh, like again at the Buxton Inn here in Granville Ohio Um, the address of this place is 313 East Broadway Um, we also have a promotion uh, for anyone that wants to come because it's an inn as well as a restaurant Um, and a promotion that we're doing right now is if um, you mention uh, my name if you call in and mention my name and the date of this podcast Um, What we're going to do is a special for uh, 30 days. So up until June 15th, if you come in, you can get a free appetizer uh, with the purchase of an entree. Um, All you have to do is just like I said, um, call, uh, which the number is um, area code 740-587-0001. And just call, make a reservation um the food here obviously I'm um, you know not biased the food is great as a matter of fact I don't get a, a paycheck they just pay me in food uh, which <laughs> is you know not I live in a cardboard box but I eat well so you know yeah
2: so they just have to call in and say they heard Kevin on the film coterie's podcast and they can exactly make a yeah and, and
1: um you awesome. know, the date of the podcast uh, probably would help and then um yes and then they will get a uh, free appetizer with purchase of entree and cool
0: the,
3: um the bucks in it is no more for is no, It's not solely known for being haunted, though. I mean, this has been the stay of several presidents, correct?
1: That is correct, yes. Several presidents have stayed here. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, um, President uh, McKinley has stayed here, and then uh, William H. Harrison also, before he was president, because if everyone remembers, he's a president that only lasted one month and then uh, passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently, he was here and rode his horse up the balcony into once. Uh, what was called the ballroom um, and you know of course i guess he was a wild guy um, they said that uh, he was actually intoxicated and i'm sure his horse was too to make it up those steps if you come here and see those that is
0: great that's awesome and you guys have uh, recently had a uh, movie shot here as well too right yes tell us a little bit, of, a little bit about that experience and how that came about
1: so the movie is um Gosh, the title is escaping me. I think it's the uh, Bruce Willis movie, It's The Bruce Willis, it's movie, the Bruce right? Willis yeah. movie with uh, Hayden Christensen. It's, um, I think it's uh, the first kill. Um, it was actually shot. Uh, most of it was shot here. They they spent three days here, um, right where we're at right now. They turned this uh, wine cellar that we're sitting in into a bunker, um, and uh, I don't believe it's been released on DVD yet um but uh, yeah they shot um all around the town and the nice thing about it is is um in the movie you know a lot of places they'll shoot and they'll be like okay well this is you know um they'll have it be someplace else like uh, new england because this town does look like a new england town but no they actually said that it was in Grandville, so that's where they the story actually takes place um so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing the movie um you know, what What? What sucks is, is it was going to be uh, – they were going to shut us down for three weeks, and Bruce Willis and the whole cast was going to stay here. We were going to cater to them, take care of them and everything like that. And then at the last minute, um, somebody called our general manager and said, no, they're only going to shoot three days. Bruce Willis is not going to be staying here. Hayden Christensen will be here. Um, you know, so that kind of disappointed us. And so I went around, you know, wrote on the side of the building, Bruce, go home, um, just in case <laughs> you saw it. Um,
2: Now you can add Darth Vader to the list of presidents. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Darth (laughs) Vader (laughs) to the list of presidents. Yes, Darth Vader has been here.
0: Oh, man, that's hilarious. Yes. Awesome.
2: So if I were to go and stay in room nine, what might I expect could happen?
1: Well, many things. Um, uh, One of the interesting stories that I was uh, telling earlier is, um, um, again, like I said, the cat haunts the place. And there was a guy at the front desk by the name of Zach. It was uh, 930 Uh, 9.30, 10.30 at night, and the guests uh, came down. It was a mom and dad and their eight-year-old son. And they had their bags packed, and they said that they were leaving. And so Zach asked why and, you know, offered them accommodations another room because a lot of people just freak themselves out when they stay in that room, as I'm sure Roger would. (laughs) Happened to him. (laughs) Um... But no, they just—they didn't want a refund. They didn't want anything. They just wanted to get out. So Zach asked why, and um, the mother lifted up her eight-year-old shirt, uh, son's shirt, and there were scratches on him that looked like from a cat. And they had said that uh, their boy had said he was playing with a cat in the second room there. And um, of course, when they went in, there was no cat. And you know, they got the hell out as quickly as they could.
2: <laughs> so. If we actually put Roger in there, he could just stay outside of the stopwatch. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and Start yeah. the timer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Does it, if your uh, stopwatch has milliseconds on it. <laughs>
0: that's probably all he'd like. Are you then. saying there'd be a new Roger-sized doorway <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. in room nine? Because yeah, we're going
4: to lock like him in there. Right up through the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'll have to explain that to the general manager. Well, we locked Roger in there, and now there's a new door on the other side of the building. <laughs> have you personally seen anything around here that's strange? I have not. I've had um, lights go off and on. I mean, I've, as far as any ghost or anything like that, lights go off and on. And then we're talking about the switches, not just flickering or anything like that. Um, doors opening um, that were you know, shut with you know no wind or any, anything like that. Um, I remember once there was a bus tub that was sitting on a table that just flew off the table. Um, I witnessed that. That was that was pretty creepy. Um, others have actually seen Bonnie Benell. It's interesting. Um, the uh, Shillings are the family that owned this, and they've they've owned it for two years. And one of them uh, came in, um, and they didn't know a lot about the history or anything like that. And it was uh, early in the morning, and they you know were just coming in to you know do some work and everything like that. And they came to the front desk and they're like, you know, is Granville having some sort of Victorian thing going on? Because there's a lady in a blue dress sitting out there. And, you know, I walked by her and she said hi to me. And, and so the person at the front desk, knowing the history, just ran right past him and outside and there was no one there. So that, that was an wow. encounter with, uh, with the <coughs> lady in blue. So
2: what about even just footsteps? I imagine. Oh yeah, yeah, you, hear you can it? hear everything when you're sitting here.
1: Yeah, you can hear a lot of footsteps, uh, things like that. Um, other things. Uh, one of the uh, odd things that happened down here is we were getting ready to set up uh, for an event, and so we're sitting at a pretty long table, and there's chairs around it, um, and it was about like I don't know, 15 chairs that we had around it, and it was um, our events coordinator, and he had set it all up, and he forgot to do one last thing, so he came down to do it, and he was by here, he was down here by himself. Um, it was late at night, and he came down, and all of the chairs that he had around the table were now against the walls. So, yeah, and there was no one else here, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he got again. He said, "Okay, forget it," and got <laughs> yeah. out. He didn't even push him back. He he waited till uh, the <laughs> next morning so people could help. Him. But yeah, Well, that's
2: even in Poltergeist, the classic scene of yeah um, she goes comes back and all the furniture stacked.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's definitely some some crazy things some interesting things so you know come in and then you know if you can brave it um um stay at uh, room nine and if not we have other rooms that are not haunted there's 25 rooms and all <coughs> all have been um restored they still have antique furniture every room looks different it's just gorgeous and um uh the thing it really too,
0: is it really is a beautiful old inn, oh yeah you i know? mean the whole
1: town is historic i mean it was um i think founded in uh, 1806 if i'm not mistaken this was the first um, um, post office as a matter of fact and if you come to the front desk when you walk right in behind where we keep the keys is the original post office box Uh, also the desk up there where abraham lincoln signed in to stay is there so i mean the history and and just everything that's here is incredible and if you do come in uh, we can also give you a tour and you can see um you know all of the you know dining rooms and we can give you history on on those And also, if the rooms are available, we can show you the infamous uh, room number nine of Bonnie Bunnell and Major Buxton's room number seven.
0: Very cool. And Granville is is a beautiful town. You know, we've spent some time vacationing in New England. And you can drive around Columbus and central Ohio, then just literally turn off the road drive into this town and you've been transported back to like a new england style town with denison you know overwatching the town the, the local university and it's just got a really neat feel e- to exactly.
1: it exactly the uh gentleman that founded this town was from new england and he wanted to set it up exactly like a, a new england town and uh, you know he definitely succeeded yeah
0: absolutely definitely succeeded on that awesome all right anything else
1: no, that just about does it. Um, We're
0: like going to run a
2: uh, promo on our website. So okay. we'll, we'll put up a, a link to the Buxton Inn. We'll put up the, the appetizer deal that you've mentioned. and Great, great. And all the contact information, too. The address, the phone number. We'll we'll promote that on our page.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Thank all you. right. Well, stay tuned because you're about to hear an exciting excerpt. We have a quick interview with Clay McLeod Chapman, uh, the Pumpkin Pie Show, and various other, uh, other things that he's involved in. He's going to read us perform for us a uh, call in actually he's going to call in and do a scary story for us i'm sure that's going to be great so stay tuned you're listening to the film coterie
2: All right, we've got a very special guest with us this evening. This is Clay McLeod Chapman.
4: Hello, guys.
2: I had the privilege of seeing Clay at the Overlook Film Festival, and I mentioned it on our last podcast. He did a live storytelling experience for us at a film festival, and this is what I've always said is it's fun to go off the beaten path at some of these film festivals and see their other offerings. Um, Clay, when did you get involved with Overlook?
4: Well you know I really owe it to uh, Landon and, and Michael like they when they started the uh, Stanley Film Festival, gosh back in uh, 2013, um, they it was a amazing kind of version of the overlook. I guess the the, the kind of beta version, if you will. Um, but it was it was in Estes Park, Colorado. Um, it was at the, uh, the Stanley hotel, which is where I guess Stephen King was, uh, inspired to write the shining. Um, it's where they actually filmed the, uh, made for TV version, the miniseries version of the shining. With, uh, Steven Weber. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they were there for three years and, and I was fortunate enough to, uh, have been. Uh, a a participant for the film festival, uh, both with short films, the feature film and the Pumpkin Pie Show. Okay. So when
2: you were at Overlook this year, it was billed as the Pumpkin Pie Show. If you were to tell people what the Pumpkin Pie Show is, how do you explain it?
4: Well, I guess the uh, the uh, elevator pitch is that it's a it's like a rigorous storytelling session, uh, which makes it sound like a bunch of old bubbas sitting on the front porch, you know, breaking a sweat. But uh, you know, for me, it's 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 kind of taking the the kind of ethos of a campfire tale, but putting it in a a kind of on on stage or in inside. Cool. Um, but we, yeah, no, we want to we want to kind of do these these kind of I guess we've always thought of ourselves as like a band, you know, the show we did at overlook was just me, but you know, I've had anywhere from like two or three or 10 other actors kind of join me on stage for like a whole set list of, uh, these 10 to 15 minute, you know, character power ballads, you know, we want to, we want to tell these kind of bizarro stories that, that are either kind of, you know, dyed in the wool genre, you know, efforts, uh, you know, in that kind of Edgar Allan Poe vein or something, maybe a little bit more off the beaten path and a little more quirky, but, um, you know, it's just a fun, fun way to kind of like tell a story, spin a yarn and, uh, creep people out.
2: Well, you got me hooked at overlook. Your first story was, I don't remember the name. It had the baby in the fireplace. (laughs) It's,
4: it is actually called the fireplace. Okay. And, uh, I, uh, you know, honestly, truth told, like that was the first time I had I've ever read that piece. I read it off of a music stand. And I, I figured, you know, of of all the places, if I'm going to kind of do a kind of ooky story like this, this would be the place to do it. And uh, I just gave it a, a whirl and it, it seemed to go over OK. Like, yeah, did you it you did. dug it.
2: Yeah, no, I your first line, I think, was something involved. That was the first time I thought about throwing the baby in the <laughs> fireplace. And I was leaning forward like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. Um, I'm never gonna live that one down. Um, I, uh, there's a, a website. I guess I should give this a plug. Uh, there's a, a web, a literary website called Hello Horror, hellohorror.com, and uh, they actually published the story, so it's out there for anybody who cool. who wants to read it. I think it's like the winter 2017 edition of Hello Horror. Okay. And with the Pumpkin
2: Pie Show, you write all these stories.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's just me um kind of in my my room writing these these weird little things. What's your process like? Does it
2: evolve from story to story or do you kind of get into a routine?
4: Um, you know, I, I I've been writing these things for probably, you know, over 20 years now, so I think uh, at this point it's you know, it, it the idea hits uh i i kind of spend my my days just kind of cranking them out and uh you know i'm reading them as i'm reading them out loud as i write them so there's a certain kind of cadence and a certain uh tone that that uh, i guess embeds itself into the text so for me it's like you could either read these stories as short stories to yourself, you know, they're in books, they're out there somewhere in the ether. Um, but then there's this duality to the, to the text where you can kind of see them performed live on stage That's by, really cool. by actors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. absolutely.
4: And you write other stuff too. I was going
2: on your webpage and I did not know that you wrote for Marvel comics.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I've written, um, uh, for Amazing Spider-Man, uh, I guess a couple of years ago, they did a, an event called Ed, uh, Spider-Verse, and I got to write for Edge of Spider-Verse. Um, I actually got to reboot the Peter Parker origin story as if it were an episode of Tales from the Crypt. So, ah, nice. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, you know, this in this day and age, you know, with great responsibility comes or was it great power comes great responsibility. I feel if if any you know, high schooler was bitten by a radioactive spider these days, you know, if you get those kind of superhuman spider strengths, you might not be as super of a hero and you might become a bit of a super monster. Yeah, so that was my point. and then my, American my take on it.
2: Then American vampire. I used to have a pull list at the local comic store and American vampire was always in there. Yeah. And then nice. I, I just got really behind and my stack just piled up at home and I had to stop the pull list for a while.
4: Yeah, no, it's, American Vampire is great. Um, yeah, I got to I got to work with Richard Eisenhower, which is I mean he he is a colorist and illustrator. He did the he worked on uh, the Dark Tower graphic novel series. It was so hard not to geek out and be like <laughs> yeah. you know a hero worshipping this guy I was collaborating with. So I, I felt very very lucky with that one.
2: And then another comic Your Own series, uh, Self Storage.
4: Yeah, man, you did your homework. I did, awesome. I did, yeah. Um, yeah, self-storage is, that's my baby. Like, that's my, uh, I, you know, like, it's a total lark. It's like a zombie romantic comedy, <laughs> zom rom-com. Um, you know, it, it, it asks the burning question of what you would do if you ever found a zombie inside a self-storage unit. Yeah.
2: I hadn't debated it, but now I'm thinking about it. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, these are the important questions. Are those still single issues or is it going to be a trade paperback? You know, I,
4: I actually just got my, my kind of contributor, you know, author copies of the trade and it looks stunning. I mean, it's a six issue series. It's, you know, it's a limited, you know, thing. So it's just the six, but, uh, I I wish I had a date to tell you. I don't know for sure. sure. I know if you, I know if you go to, uh, comiXology, uh, they have the digital graphic novel, like the complete series ready already now. So it's, it's out there in a digital form, but I, I believe the, the trade paperback is either, it's either coming out really, really soon or it's just out now. But, uh, yeah, um it's uh it's it's looming. I know that much. Well, gotcha, I'll have to check it out when I
2: get my hands on it. Um yes, it's
4: totally worth it. Totally a so doozy.
2: We're a movie podcast. I'm the horror loving host. <laughs> so I've <laughs> kind of taken over this month between Overlook and everything else. I'm the one kind of programming the content uh these nice, last couple nice. episodes. So I've mentioned to both Matt and Roger and Kevin or other hosts that you made a movie called The Boy. You wrote yeah. a movie um, called the, boy. Yeah. and this was based on one of your short stories. Um, I, yeah. I didn't get the chance. It was at South by Southwest a couple of years ago, I believe. Right.
4: Yep. Yep. We were there. Gosh, 2015.
2: Yeah. I just missed it. And then I caught it on VOD. And what I liked about this movie is just seeing what isolation can do to someone. <laughs> I, I felt so bad for the boy, just being in that remote location and then having a ghost of a father.
4: Yeah. Yeah. No, man, we, we totally lucked out. We, uh, I guess we should say this is the boy, not the creepy doll. Yes, the, the two thousand sixteen boy is creepy, the creepy doll. Yours is yeah, not a real boy. We are the creepy kid boy. Um and uh we lucked out because we had, you know, we had David Morse who mm-hmm. played the father, and uh I mean gosh, Rain Wilson pops yeah. up. It's, it's Yeah, Rain Wilson's great you know. in this one. Yeah. He, uh, he had the beard, so it was definitely kind of like the serious version of, of rain Wilson, which is great. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a total, I mean like, you know, love it or hate it. It is, it is a film that that basically says you're going to watch this, this kid, uh, in his day to day environment and see how that environment kind of like the, the perfect storm of environment, family dynamic and, you know, guests kind of coming to this road motel and how, how all of those things kind of come together to kind of form this, this, this sociopathic kind of uh, little, little boy and have him uh, kind of get pushed over to the deep, deep end.
2: Now that was based on your short story. Um, how much changed from the story to the movie?
4: You know, it's funny. Um, I, uh, I wrote a novel uh, like in 2003, uh, it was a called it was called Miss Corpus, and it was basically a novel, like a, a larger kind of macro story that's broken down into these smaller little vignettes. So one of the vignettes was called the Henley Road Motel, and it was all about a little little boy who collects roadkill like scrapes roadkill off of the street to earn his allowance to, you know, keep the hotel clean for, for customers. Um, But then when business kind of dries up and uh, he doesn't, he's not earning any more money uh, this kid starts kind of crafting these, these ways in which to lure animals out into the street, just as cars are driving by in order to like devise these, these car accidents and have people stay at their, their motel. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it was like 10, 15 pages. Um, Craig McNeil, who's the director of the boy, we, you know, he, re- he was like one of the only people who actually read the book. And uh, he, he always said, like, he wants to do like a short of it. And so we, we kind of uh, wrote a script together, did a short uh, in 2009, 2010, called Henley. Uh-huh. And it was basically like just a 10-minute version, like the, maybe like the first half of the the, the chapter from *Miss Corpus*. Um, but we hit up the festival circuit, and then it got into the you know we made it to Sundance in 2012, and that's when Elijah Wood saw it and his company Specter Vision, and uh, they reached out to us and said, "Hey, have you ever thought about?" turning this into a feature and you know we said of course we have and that was that was kind of the beginning of the boy
2: gotcha and it's up on itunes you can find it it's the boy with the horns on the cover
4: the antlers it's easy to spot. <laughs> no when you're... no creepy dolls no dolls yeah
2: in our movie.
0: so uh we've promised our guests a story yes we're we're very excited about this story clay now i have to say ahead of time I'm the big baby in the group. These guys this all is love, Roger, yeah. yeah uh, these guys all love horror, but I'm the one that still falls out of a seat and closes his eyes and <laughs> can't handle this. So I'm going to grab a hold of the chair. But we're right. very excited to have you uh, share. We're here at the old haunted Buxton Inn, and I'm very excited to have you share one of your stories with us today.
4: All right, we'll keep the bar low. I don't know. I mean, like, the, like I'll I'll do my darndest, but I don't know. I I you know. No pressure or anything. No, now no I'm, pressure. Now I'm starting there.
2: Yeah, I promised. They're creepy, and you got a nice yeah. touch of darkness just running yeah. through your <laughs>
4: material. All right, all right. Um, well, I I have one. It's like maybe 10 ish minutes. Is that all right? Is sure. that cool? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, it's actually a, a pretty moldy, oldy one, um, but I thought it might be uh, great for for, for this. Uh, it's, it's called Michelle, and I've actually. I've I've never read a story to anyone over the phone, so this is going to be very, very interesting. Um, uh, let's, Let's have at it. You guys ready? Yeah, we're ready. All right. This is called Michelle. Well, these woods are bringing back memories. It could have been just yesterday. We were trudging through here looking for Michelle. I had uh, volunteered for the search party, being her next-door neighbor, a friend of the family's and all, you know, first in line, if I recall, got the honor of leading the group out, some 20 men total. We walked alongside Michelle's father the whole time, and I, Bill, he, he turned to me once, about like an hour into the woods, looking me right in the eye, he said, just angry at me over not letting her stay out with her friends. She's got herself this new boyfriend she won't bring home, so I went and gave her a curfew. He stopped walking, gripping my arm so that I'd fall back from the front line. But she's never been gone for this long. Her mother's getting real worried, and I don't know where to look for her anymore. We're going to want to take a left now. We combed through these woods with the kind of care I remember Michelle taking with her own hair. You couldn't have found a crooked tree after we raked through. No, just long, narrow paths stretching out from their backyard. That's where we started. The twenty of us partnered up, counting off right next to their swimming pool. It had been a gift for Michelle. Sweet sixteen, I think. Her father and me, we had dug up the hole while she was away at summer camp, you know, surprising her with a new pool when she came home. There wasn't a day when I couldn't look out my window and find her back there, swimming July away, August away, the, the whole summer. She'd climb out with her curls clinging to her shoulders, that sandy blonde turning a deep brown. It's funny, but uh, it's funny that I think it. But when she disappeared, it had been raining on and off for a couple days matting down the leaves into a wet brown just the same. And here we were, stepping over them, the leaves sticking to our boots as if we had just marched over Michelle's own hair. we got to walk down this way for a while. She didn't have a new boyfriend. Michelle could have cared less about the boys at school. That's just something her father never understood. Nah, it's just as well. I mean, her heart was in that pool. You couldn't find it in anything else, in in anyone. In the morning, I would wake up to water crackling between her legs. didn't need to set my alarm. Her breaststroke woke me. I'd come to the window with my cup of coffee, and there she'd be, telling off to get ready for school, brushing her hair. "Morning, Mr. Peters,' she'd say, smiling. A bit of her hair slipping into her mouth. When are you gonna come swimming with me? I I couldn't give it much thought, really. I mean I I tried. I I tried not to think about it. But you know, she'd say it to me just about every morning, you know, teasing me by flicking her towel at my window. (laughs) A drop of water would strike the glass and dribble down in front of my face, and I'd flinch thinking that it had hit me. that would get Michelle laughing every time bullseye uh, hold on uh, I'm sorry I, uh, I think we walked out too far yeah I'm, uh, we gotta double back some I'm sorry we, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see the highway through the trees now you, uh, you hear that traffic yeah it's coming just over the bend there you can reach it from Michelle's backyard in about 30 minutes Run it in 15, no problem. It would have been easy enough for her to have just crossed through these woods, step out on the highway, flag down some guy driving past, and that'd be it. She could have been in someone's car before her parents even knew she was missing. Crossed the state line before Bill would even think about checking back here. and She would have done it, too. She, she could have. He mentioned it to me every chance she got until I had to listen to her, believe her, when she said it. <laughs> I mean, Michelle said a lot of things to me, things that I'd have to brush off before they could settle in. You know, when she'd catch me at my window, the invitation was on her face before I could turn away. Just this, just this bend in her neck, motioning toward the pool, My breath would fog up the glass enough for her to disappear, diving right into the water. I could be in any room in my house, and I would still hear her kicking, her legs chopping through the pool like leaves crumbling under my feet. She'll be wearing her swimsuit. This baby blue one-piece, there was a shine to it, especially at night. When people driving by have their high beams on, the light stretches into the woods a bit, just from the highway. I was a few steps behind her when all of a sudden her swimsuit caught some of those headlights, this, this flash of blue before going back to black. She was shimmering from being so wet, running in between the trees like a, like a silverfish slipping through my fingers. Her parents had been at a neighborhood watch meeting, leaving Michelle at home alone. I had been in the kitchen finishing up my meal when I heard the pool part its waters, letting Michelle ease right in itself, and I got the faucet on to wash the dishes, letting one rush of water drown out the other, because you know what? This had been building up all summer. (laughs) I had started waking up at my window rather than than in my bed, staring out into my next door neighbor's backyard, you seen the stillness to that pool before Michelle went swimming was sleep for me. I couldn't wake up until she dove in, got under my skin, and I and I wanted to be strong about this, I swear. But when every kick from her legs sends a shiver through that pool, you can't even imagine what it was doing to my spine. I nearly had my back broken by the time that I finally walked over. And you know what? She didn't even realize that I was standing there. Just kept swimming. Back and forth, her body gliding through the water with the ease of breathing. I mean, she was on the air that I inhale. She might as well have been swimming her laps through my lungs because when I'd breathe in, she'd swim to me. And then when I'd exhale, away she went. Back and forth like that, just back and forth. The smell of chlorine was so thick in her skin, it stripped away any scent the dogs could have used to find her. It was strong enough to taste, even. (laughs) This pure flavor burned over my tongue like... like lime. Michelle had soaked up enough chlorine to cleanse away any foulness I felt for feeling like this. I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you what it felt like to touch her. There was... There was nothing to taste, to smell, that she could have called her own. The pool had peeled it all away. What was left was this this wisp of a girl, nothing more than the skin. That made it hard for me to hold myself back. All I followed through these woods were the, the sound of leaves, the fresh smell of chlorine, and the... The flash of this baby blue swimsuit holding on to a spotless body. It was better for Bill to think that she ran away with some boyfriend. I mean, I began believing it myself. I mean, their their pool hasn't been touched for years now. Michelle used it. Nobody else. Now, the only thing to dip into the water are the autumn leaves falling from the trees and collecting over the surface. They'll float there for a while, sinking under the water as they soak through and swallows them all whole, forming into this uh, this sludge at the bottom. And I can't help but think of Michelle. Found myself at the window a few days back, and I thought it was her, her brown hair floating just below the surface. Every time I hear the crackle of dry leaves, I think, I think Michelle is swimming back to me. When she finally realized that I was standing at the edge of the pool, her, her breaststroke just dwindled down into this, this doggy paddle, treading water where I couldn't reach her. Can I help you, Mr. Peters? I told her I was ready to take her up on her offer go for a dip and she grinned uh, the water brushing against her teeth you can't be serious mr petersby you're friends with my father i was and that's why i led him right past her making sure he didn't notice the upturned dirt bill doesn't look into these woods to find her. He sees the highway, and he believes that she's still on it, you know, hitchhiking her way into oblivion. He doesn't even notice these trees, this, this little patch of ground here. What's under the dirt has been for me to reason with, and nobody else. Walking back that night, I realized that I was covered in so much mud. <laughs> Had to take a dip. To cleanse myself. Oh, the pool was warm, the water rinsing off any imperfection, erasing every scrape down to the skin, and I drank from it, lowering the surface down an inch at least, taking in so much chlorine that it burned to breathe, washing Michelle all away.
2: Thank you, guys. That played really well over oh, the phone.
4: that was great, man. That was awesome.
0: <laughs> that was great, Clay. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, Ew. man. The bar's been raised right there, man. That was great.
4: was <laughs> Sorry, guys. It, it
0: recorded great. I think we got a great sample of it. So yeah,
4: that's awesome. no, that
2: story, I think you're going to be very impressed with how it plays over the phone. Awesome,
4: awesome. Oh, I can't wait.
2: So, for our listeners, I do have a surprise. I have three copies of Clay's new book, Nothing Untoward, and they can be yours. You just need to what? email me at filmcoterie at com and put in the what? subject, give me the book. Put it in all caps, make it exciting, and then put your name and address in there, and I will give you the book. We have three copies um, to give away, and give you're going to want to read... book. You're gonna to want to read some more stories like this.
4: Oh man, that's awesome! Thank you, guys.
2: Sure, thank you for calling in. I book to, at
3: least I have a copy of it now.
2: Yeah, I passed it around here too. So,
4: yep. Uh, did I lose you guys there? Oh no, nope, we have oh. I just
2: bumped some equipment. Yep.
4: Oh okay. Up, oh, still there? Yes. Um, that is so awesome, guys. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you for calling Excellent. in. So, Clay. Thanks, man, anytime. So, Clay, is there anything left you'd like to plug, or how can our listeners follow you on social media?
4: Um, I am on Twitter for sure. You can find me at uh, Clay McCloud Chapman. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all social media platforms. Uh, my website is claymacloudchapman.com. And, um, yeah, yeah, I definitely, uh, keep checking in because there's going to be some fun announcements in the next couple of weeks that, uh, I totally want to share.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a great
4: privilege to have you. Oh man. It's totally my pleasure. Thank you so much. Be, be safe in there. Don't, don't open any <laughs> doors that look like they've been deadlocked and don't, uh, don't read any books that have been wrapped in barbed wire.
2: We'll try to stick together.
4: Good luck, guys.
2: All right. Take care, Clay.
4: Take care. Talk soon. Bye.
3: Welcome back to the Film Coterie Podcast, uh, and it is uh, that time once again to go over the movie we just saw. Uh, I can't say new movie with this one, uh, because we watched a movie from 2011, but because we're at the historic Buxton Inn, we figured it only appropriate to watch a scary hotel movie. Uh
2: this movie was my pick, so I take all praise and I'll take all blame.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so what we saw was uh, the 2011 movie, The Innkeepers, directed by Ty West. Uh, Roger managed to stay in his seat the 90% of the time. He said he had to stretch, but we knew that he was just making it easier for him to run up the stairs.
1: Yeah, he hop- was looking at the stairs saying, like, okay, how quick can I get up there? The
0: problem is I'd have been all alone by when I got to the top of
3: the yeah, stairs. Yeah, then you would have had
1: to come, yeah, you wouldn't known what to do.
3: So, because Adam picked it out. Oh, do you want to say something? Well, up? yeah, I can jump into the movie if you want. Go for it, man.
2: So, Innkeepers is the second feature from Ty West, and you've probably heard that name on our podcast because last week I made Roger watch The House of the Devil. So, this is Ty West's second feature, and it is a horror movie set among an inn that's closing. This is the final weekend. So it focuses on the two leads, who are the desk clerks. And they also have a haunted history, much like the Buxton and Inn, and they're, they're very kind of amped up trying to find something. This is the last chance to record EVP, get something on video. That's kind of the weekend they're in store for. But on top of that, they have some unusual guests that come to stay with them.
3: Yeah, so... Um, Roger,
0: what is your take of the film? Um, I you know. So I'm not a big fan of the genre, even though I do like some of the films in the horror genre. Um. I think Ty West really knows how to shoot a film, to 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 photograph it, to to film it. You know, um, it was really interesting the way he would hold the camera certain times. Where like he really wanted to focus on the girl, and the guy would be talking, and his all you would see is his shoulders and neck, and it just stayed right on her. When normally you would do a cross cut to the guy talking, you know, and he chose intentionally not to do that. And so I really, I really like the way this guy films movies. I wish he would do a traditional non horror movie. Well, he has. Well, I'm sure he has. Yeah. that I just haven't seen. But um, um, I really like the way the guy films the movies. And, and was it just me or did he go into like using natural lighting for a while in the basement? It really felt like there was no Hollywood lighting, like literally the flashlight. There was one scene particularly where the flashlight went past you and it was just straight darkness. And you got a little glimpse of a belt buckle that kind of followed. Like you literally got the feeling that was the only light source in that basement scene, you know? Um, did I like the movie? Not really. Just to be honest with you, um, I thought the the girl was just I wasn't a big fan of her performance overall, um,
2: and and that's Sarah Paxton and she's playing Claire in this movie.
0: Yeah, and I I really think she probably has potential to be a pretty good actress or probably has done other things that I might like her in. You know, um, but I don't know she just didn't really she she. I, at times, it seemed like she was acting. If that makes sense, it like felt like she was trying to act. Instead, of, I didn't. I you know, I went back and forth. Is she a, a really kind of a early twenty something, middle twenty something that acts like a teenager sometimes, or is she? You know, I just I just wasn't sold on her performance. And she really is kind of the heart of the film, you know. And so if you're if you buy her performance, you probably really like this film. For me I just didn't really buy her performance just to be honest with you. I really liked the way it was shot. I liked the idea. I'm starting to learn. I've watched enough of these horror films now that I'm learning all the visual cues like when, you know when she locks the cellar doors, you know I looked at you. I looked at you and I was like that's going to be a throwback. We're coming back to them cellar doors, you know, so.
1: Yeah, even the scary parts when you knew they were coming and you know cuz you do, you can tell it's still it's it's always usually in those horror type of horror films where you know, everything slows down and the motion and everything. You know something's going to happen. And, you know, and, and Roger, being smart enough, knew something was going to happen. But he squ- still squealed like a little girl when um, did. I,
0: you know, and <laughs> I, I like the way this guy shoots films. Was, I, like, yeah. I like the slow pace, the slow burn. You made a comment, Adam, and you're much more versed on horror than I am. You made a comment that... In a typical horror movie, there'd been a third actor that we'd have killed off in the first 10, 15 minutes of the film or something. An opening kill yeah, to establish opening... the threat. Yeah, exactly. And none of that's present there, you know. And and you guys can get into this a little bit later, but it really, even the whole movie itself is has a big question of realness. Is this Did all this really happen or not, you know? I don't know. What'd you guys think?
1: Well, I thought, um, again, it's it's a very you know, some people would call it oh the you know, it was too slow or whatever. And I, I don't find that because um if a movie is slow for me, I'm just not interested. You know, and I did it did um keep my interest. So I like the words um what'd you use, slow burn? Yeah, slow um, burn. Gently paced, um is another one where um it's you know, not saying anything bad about the film. It's just an easy, gently paced film. Um and again, uh it was um you know like Adam was saying, most horror films that you have, you've got the you know more characters to be killed off. I mean some you'll have uh, you know not just one in the beginning but you know you have a whole bunch. Um, so you know in, in this sense um, I have to say it reminded me somewhat of the shining and that's not just because it's in a hotel but in the shining um, it wasn't you know all these people being killed. you know it's this isn't a slasher film people it, it's no, not it's no, not at all not and at that's, that's what it's more of a psychological, Uh, horror film, which is the kind that I like best. I'm not one of those that likes to see how much, um, you know, blood you can get in one frame of film, um, which a lot of directors uh, like to do. And there's a lot of people that like those films, and that's fine. But I like more of the psychological-type horror film, which uh, this definitely was. And, again, with the actress, um, I kind of thought the same thing you did, Roger. But, uh, you know, we have nothing to compare it to. So I would like to see something else. Yeah, I have no frame of reference. I mean,
0: you know, and and maybe um you know maybe she's just playing the way she was directed you know i, I don't know but uh so it could have been a directing thing and i will say this i think there was just the right amount of jump scares you know they didn't overdo it and and i think all of them but two you see coming it's like a, he gives you the softball pitch mm-hmm. this and like okay jump scare jump scare jump you know and then at the end of the movie, you get a couple that you're just, I was not expecting at all, but I should have been
1: expecting. Now, you know? Adam, let me ask you this. You said you've seen the film, uh, what, three times? Three or four, yeah. Three or four times. So what did you think um, on your first time? And I mean, what have you gotten um, each time since, you know, since you've watched it like the second, third, fourth?
2: Yeah. So going back to House of the Devil, that was the first movie I saw of his, mm-hmm. and that was a 70s style babysitter movie. She's going to a creepy house. It's a slow burn. And he was making an homage to that era okay. of filmmaking. Kind this, of
1: like what um, Rob Zombie did as far as his 70s. As far yeah, as, he was uh, doing the, the kind of 70s yeah, grind yeah, now yeah, style. Right.
2: So he was making an homage to 70s babysitter horror. This one, I didn't know what to expect because the poster is the ghost. and Oh, really? It, yeah, I'll show you the Blu-ray before we leave. It's got uh, hotel made of keys. It's a lot of interesting visual design. It's not that movie. Like it, He's playing with the audience. Right. I didn't realize that until the very end after I saw it, and I sat and thought about it for a while. So watching it again, you see more and more cues that he puts early in the movie. He's just really messing with the audience. This isn't a traditional horror movie, no. and he's he's made a really delicate construction here, very carefully shot, and whether you believe it's all happening or it's in her head, it actually plays both ways. I don't see any fault in the logic
1: either way. So I think right. he, he walked this tightrope. And that's what I think is good about it is because you can you know it leaves to the imagination um again a lot of the horror films don't and that's again with the psychological ones i mean you can we could probably sit and discuss it all night long the different you know uh things so just i mean did you catch more than each time you watched it or I, did you I change start, your op- opinion each
2: yeah i i mean i had that opinion the first time and it just mm-hmm. solidified the more i saw gotcha. it for my own take on the movie and when you go to the the poltergeist or haunted house type movie this is missing all the elements, and I think that's interesting because exactly. those movies, the ghost starts doing little things and it escalates. There's no real, real escalation here with the ghost until the end, so there's no more major events happening. Um, at some point, the ghost will take something or lock them in. That doesn't really happen in this movie. They don't have to escape. They, The ghost's mythology is revealed as kind of a joke. Instead of this is how you beat the guy, there's no expert calling in from long right. distance yes. to say exactly. this is Bagul and this is how you beat him. Yeah, yeah,
0: and, yeah, It's not to say it's not without tropes either.
1: Yeah, know? it's got them too. It's, it's got, got enough the the
0: woman that does the seance because you gotta have somebody talks to the dead, you know, to kind of set the mood for you and stuff. And and that yeah, uh, helps
1: the plot, you know, go. Along and I
0: like those aspects of the film. You know, I think the really the, and and and, I, and I'm not to be a Debbie Downer on the main the star of the show that she was the only thing I didn't like about the movie. You know, I loved the the guy that was her her partner or whatever. I thought he was great. I really liked his portrayal. Um, you know, the, the, the movie is set up to where there's only two innkeepers. They're the only ones left, and they have to work these 12-hour shifts, seven to seven, you know, and they switch on and off and sleep when the other one's not watching it. But, you know, I thought his character was at least it was interesting and uh, uh, somewhat developed, even though, you know, kind of traditional at times, you know, but uh, I, I don't know. Hers was the only performance that really just didn't, Grab me. You okay, know? and
2: yeah, and I mean, I'll jump to her defense. Her name's Sarah Paxton. Um, she's a cast against type in this movie, and every other movie I've seen her, she's a scream queen, usually in a bikini, long hair, running around, outrunning a shark, outrunning a killer. That's her role. So in this one, she's a spaz. Short hair, kind of awkward, antisocial. She's fully clothed the whole time. You know, there's she's not a sex symbol at all in this movie. And... No makeup. I mean, it's a very natural performance of, I think, a lost soul. I had someone I worked with at Blockbuster back in the day that this reminds me of, where they can be childlike. They're they're an adult, but they're just, you know, they may work at Blockbuster forever. They don't know what they're going to do, and they can revert to some childlike tendency sometimes, and I think that's what she was kind of playing. And I really like the relationship with the, between the two of them. I mean, I bought these people as co-workers. They kind of have a uh, natural, yeah. easy-going
0: relationship. Yeah. yeah, I'll say, yeah.
3: And... There must be something there, because she has been cast in Twin Peaks. Yep. And you know how David Lynch does his casting. He looks at a picture and has a feeling.
1: So, Roger, you're wrong, basically. I no, I, I mean, it's a take. I mean, I, <laughs> I bought her opinion. performance I know, and liked
2: yeah. it, but it may help I know someone like that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think for me, too, it's going to take, um, you know, another viewing. And that's why I was asking you, because a, a lot of times... And that's happened with all of us. We'll watch a film and be like, "Oh my gosh, I love it," and then we'll watch a little bit later and be like, "What was I thinking?" And vice versa. So I don't think you can. Yeah, I don't think you can. You know, uh, make uh, a judge. I mean, you're obviously going to make a judgment, but I, I always think that uh, movies like this definitely deserve, uh, you know, another viewing or two before you can really before the jury's in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What What about lighting? What about sound? Uh, what, what do you think about the idea? I didn't catch any overt themes in the way it was shot. No coloring to the lens. It had a very natural feel. The daylight scenes seemed like it was just normal daylight, you know?
2: And as far as I know, they filmed entirely at that hotel. It's not actually called the Yankee Peddler. I think it's got a different name in real life. But it was all filmed in one location. So the basement and everything, no sound
1: stages, <coughs> everything was That is neat. Real. Yeah. which added to the character. The uh, how movie? about
0: the use of music and stuff in the film? What would you guys, you know? Well, the,
1: the use of music, I noticed, uh, at least in the very beginning, I even was thinking, okay, this is definitely um, a motif of uh, Bernard Herrmann, um, who did, I think, what, eight, eight uh, Hitchcock films. Um, but Adam and I were kind of talking earlier, or Matt and I were, um, basically, you know, there's nothing left, really. I mean, as far there's so many things that have already been done, and you know certain camera angles and all the, the stuff. I mean that's why I like a lot of the uh, earlier films because that was the first time it was ever done. And you know it's just you know people can um, directors now can um, you know we're improving on it throughout. But now it's just who takes from what and stuff. And of course a lot of the angles, especially the the angles you know panning down. <laughs> on um, the characters and things like that. That definitely was a, a Hitchcock, um, you know, the way that he shot. And a lot of the, the stuff reminded me of, of Hitchcock. But, of course, I mean, if, if you're going to steal, steal from one of the best. and you know, uh, That's for sure. And, um, you know, because yeah. Hitchcock himself um, stole from, you know, people like Fritz Lang. And, um, you know, he was very influenced in uh, German cinema and that type of thing. And I'm sure they were influenced, you know. So it goes on and on.
0: There you go. That's what you get with Kevin. <laughs>
1: He's going to spin it right into
0: a classic film lesson for yeah, you. <laughs> no matter
1: what. Sorry. How about you, Matt? You
0: really haven't said a whole lot as far as your feelings about the movie. Tell us what you thought.
3: Um, I I, I, see, I don't even. All right. So it's the first time I've seen it. I, I mean, I think I had it on one time. Wasn't really paying attention. Um, I wanted to like it more than I actually did. I mean, I appreciate the slow burn. I don't have a problem with it, um, but there's, it's not so much, to me, for me, it wasn't so much a slow burn as almost like two completely different movies, right? So you have almost like this comedic element in the beginning of the movie, and then literally the screen goes dark. It says like whatever something, you know, this is the th- part three, here it is, and then it's like we shift into gear at that point.
1: Yeah, it did, <coughs> I, it did go with chapter one, chapter two, yeah, chapter, chapter three, and right. then epilogue. <coughs> right. And, it, um, and they, I, I, I wasn't sure because, I mean, each thing wasn't such a different... To me, you know, it wasn't so... I don't know why they did that. I don't think that was necessary for me. I mean, it didn't... Um. I guess it didn't add or subtract to the film, but... I mean, is it, what, what do you guys think?
3: I, I just, I, I don't like it when it's softball pitch that much. Like, yeah. oh, look, we've had a dark screen title page. Now get ready for whatever's coming. But I do like the fact that um, this knows it's 2011. We can say whatever. We can right? spoil. Yeah. All right. Uh, that this may not have even happened. Yeah. I mean, it could have just been a crazy girl. That had convinced herself that this was what was actually going on because yep. no one in the movie other than her sees anything, hears anything, does anything. I mean, there's the, the crazy psychic, right, that you know, can speak to the dead,
1: but she's drinking n- through half the film anyway, so yeah. she probably sees a lot of things. Yeah. Actually <laughs> no one there, no one know?
3: else sees anything, has seen anything.
1: And
2: I think it's purposeful too that the psychic is an ex actor. They're picking someone from Hollywood who we all know Scientology, other crazy right, beliefs. Exactly. That kind of tells you to put your bullshit to. You just put it in their yeah. watch list. I am all right, fine. <laughs> 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 but I'm saying
1: I think that Hollywood element
2: Join adds the club. to your suspicion yeah. of her. Oh yeah, no, absolutely,
3: Sir,
1: absolutely. And since we have, you know, since we can do spoilers, right? Yeah, yeah. Can, oh, oh, yeah. can yeah. we yeah. go it's all the way in with this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because my question is. Um, Obviously, when she had, you know, if if it's all in her mind, um, where she fell down the stairs and she's, you know, uh, pretty badly, um, you know, injured there. I mean, bleeding from the head pretty good. But then, you know, at the end, so she sees the ghost coming after her and she's trying, she's up the stairs and trying to get out and the door's locked or whatever. She can't get out. Um, And that, basically, the next shot is them carrying her out um, on a um, gurney thing. She's dead. I mean... So how did she die then?
3: I, mean, I think she asphyxiated. She didn't yeah. have her. In, she was asthmatic. She didn't. There, there she go. lost yeah. her inhaler. Yeah, it was at the bottom and, of the stairs yeah. where she fell. That's and where she they was found again, it. last scene. She, she was right. panicking okay. and just couldn't breathe. She asphyxiated.
2: And we learned her coworker was one banging on the door trying to get to her. Right. He
3: could
1: hear her yelling his name. Yeah. So. So yeah. Okay. Well, that answers yeah. that. Yeah, that's good.
0: You ought to check out the innkeepers. You got to watch it.
1: Yeah, I definitely suggest watching it. Um, again, um, it being uh, not a slasher film is why I'm going to say. I'm not too big on, on those. Not even, Roger's probably favorite films. Slasher.
0: No. <laughs> I like the psychological ones. As yeah. well. And monster films. I love monster films and psychological or
1: You know, I
3: I liked it. I don't know how many times I'll watch it again. I appreciate it because I think not only with the lighting and stuff that you mentioned – I mean, a lot of care was taken to shoot this film because literally the only person that ever sees anything was Claire.
1: Yeah, and you know that's the thing we keep going back to that, and that's that's the one thing. And again, you know it can go both ways. I mean, it could have really happened—the um, stuff that uh, she sees in the ghosts—or it didn't. You know, it's one way or the other. Uh, but yeah, I did like the the lighting and everything like that. And again, when you've got a film that is that gently paced to keep um the entrance uh, interest of the audience I think is very tough it's a i mean I'm not going to get back to Hitchcock well i i will um you know he, he did <laughs> can't help it you know he did a lot of uh movies, you know one set like rope or rear window you know and that's really hard for a director to keep the audience you know to keep their attention um when you're not going to different locations and going outside and you're you're spending it all in one thing and I love movies like that I think those are some of the best films out there. Yep in um, some of the most challenging films um, to make uh to keep you know your interest uh going.
3: Now I think Ty West has proven he can do that. He's yeah. done a number of films where it's just slow
0: burn and you you get to it and Well now now that I've seen sorry to interrupt Matt. Now that oh, I've now that I've seen a couple of his films my next Ty West I'll be like okay I know we I know you know
1: How many films has he made?
2: He's made four, four, so the third movie is The Sacrament, which is kind of found footage. It was from that era, 2011, mm-hmm. 2012, but it's about the Jonestown Massacre.
1: Okay. Right. Them drinking the Kool-Aid, yeah. and it's
2: cool that he did found footage there, because that's an interesting event
1: unfolding. Definitely. And then he did a Western two years ago called In the Valley of Violence. Okay, yeah, I'm going to have to check out uh, the other three films then, myself. Yeah. So.
2: I mean, I appreciate it. for a young director, he's taken some big risks early in his career. He did House of Devil as an homage, and then he leapt into something more experimental here with the Innkeepers, and that's not a move you see for a lot of young filmmakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Cool. I agree. Yep.
3: All right. Anything else?
2: Uh, I mean, this is a fun movie, and I, I can't say that I really overly like it either, but I like to experience it. I've seen it a couple times, and if you're a film buff, it's definitely worth checking out just to see your own take on what Ty West is doing here, because yeah. he's, he's definitely playing in the genre.
3: I agree. Yep. All right. Well, we'll take a short break and we will be back.
0: All right, and we are back. And our last segment is coming attractions, and um, I think coming up this week, we're gonna we're gonna have a special guest review of the movie Everything Everything. Uh, Adam hooked me up with some uh, screeners of that of that movie about a month ago, actually, and so I took my daughter Tori, who's fifteen, and she is an expert in the young adult young adult genre.
2: I trust her opinion more than my own.
3: And, no kidding.
0: and so uh she is actually writing a review for the website and uh you know maybe i can talk her into doing a little two-minute blurb or something i can record her giving her thoughts on the movie but uh that'll be coming up what else is coming up this week adam
2: we will be seeing alien covenant and we're going to do a delayed episode on that yes. with a full spoiler cast afterwards yes so absolutely. i don't know when that'll be hitting but we will be doing it sometime in the near future
0: yep absolutely Anything else going on? How can how can they find us, Adam, on social media, all that good stuff?
2: Uh, we're easy to find. We're on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash Film Coterie. Our website is FilmCoterie.com, and our Twitter handle is at Coterie. We are everywhere. And we're going to promote Buxton in. so check our website for a link there. We're yep. also promoting Clay McLeod Chapman. We'll put his website up.
0: Yes. Th- thank you to the Buxton, and thank you to Clay for calling in and, and uh Thanks, Kevin, for hosting us here at your house, man. Your, yeah, no, your, no your, problem. Your place here. This has been great. And we may even sneak back here in the fall come Halloween time. it be a good re- place to be there. And review another film and uh, see what happens then. Get so. Roger to spend the night. Yeah. Uh,
1: in room nine. Uh, in room nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably popular on Halloween. Oh, it's, definitely, yes. It's time but for... The, I, but see, since I work here, I'm going to book him now. Well, so you know,
0: It's time for this podcast to come to an end. You've been listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next time.